From the Dice Abide Live studios, it's Late Night War Games with your hosts, Adam and John. Hello, hello. Thank you. Thank you, Jane. Hello, everyone. I'm Adam, often called the Dice Abide, but my mom calls me a disappointment. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm John, a.k.a. Wise Kensai, and tonight we're joined by the luscious Obadiah Hampton. Yay. Ooh, welcome, Obi. Welcome. Luscious. <laughs> luscious. <laughs> That's Dripping. A, this is the first, first thing I thought of when I when I was thinking about Obi. <laughs> Moist. <laughs> I mean, it's just the you know, the light reflecting off my head. <laughs> well, speaking of moist, gentlemen, what are you drinking tonight, Obi? I got myself a nice dark and stormy. What makes it different than a regular dark and stormy? Huh? Oh, uh, it's got some bitters <laughs> in it, you know, and. <laughs> Some candied ginger. Lovely. John? I am having my usual hot toddy thing with some Breckenridge Aquavit. Ooh, try, lovely. Try a different thing today? Seemed good. Well, I'm fighting a cold, so it's important to stay hydrated, which means I'm just having a light beer tonight. I'm enjoying a lovely Montucky, which is probably my favorite drinking beer. It's it's the perfect lager, no complaints. The best one. And no, I don't I don't have COVID. It is a cold. There's my negative test. There we go. <laughs> so, gentlemen, that was actually just a pregnancy test that he held up. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Bottoms up. If only you could tell me who the father is. Oh, that's really nice. I don't think I've ever done that with the Aquavit before. That is amazing. Well, now I want to try it. Bring it over next time you come. All right. <laughs> so, John, why don't you uh, lay, lay down the Bromat Academy news? Yeah, sure. Sounds good. So this month we're doing over-infiltration. I know some of you already have gotten battle reports in, so thank you for that. Um, yeah, just try to try to do some damage, tie your opponent up uh, by throwing stuff over the center line. That's the key, right, pushing things over. Um, and let us know how it went, right? So you'll be entered to win a fabulous... Uh, Brahmin Academy patch or a blister of your choice sent to you by the lovely Ruben over at Mythic Games. Um, if you fancy painting some heavy infantry, you can do that as well. You have until the end of the quarter to do that. Um, and basically send in one model, right? The normal Maya cast style rules apply. You know, send a picture of the timestamp, you know, send a picture of your iPad or whatever. Um, and uh, four photos, right? Labeled with your ITS name. All the instructions are on the site. So if you forget this, that's totally fine. Um, and the prizes are awesome. Uh, we'll send you uh, a blister. You get to you get to pick a uh, thing for Chris over at Monstrous Makings to sculpt for you. And if you don't have access to a 3D printer, I will pay for him to print it and send it to your door. Um, and if there's enough people, we will we will roll. Uh, sorry, spin the wheel of names and select somebody else. And that will be that surprise support being provided by the mothership Corvus Belly herself. Thanks. Nice. That's pretty awesome. I think I'm gonna have to enter this time and try to get some uh, Devo whip it the, uh, the the pyramid hats made for my moderators. I feel like that'd be very appropriate for my bakun for some reason. Seems good. <laughs> I think you should do that. Don't don't let me win because that would be awful. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So another news. Uh, this is episode fifty-one, and we do one every week. Ooh. Which means That's next right. week is episode 52. We can do math, which means we've Woo! been doing a year of this. 
Right. So, so next week we're going to be doing a special show, special and that's show, basically going to go special show, special show. We're going to have calling guests. We're going to be talking with our Patreon patrons or what are we, late night war gamers. There we go. Yep. From Patreon over on our channel. So this is your last chance. Hurry up and give us money so you can talk. But so we'll be bringing people on live from Discord to chat with us as well. And most importantly, there's going to be some freaking prizes. Prizes, prizes, prizes. Prizes. So we've got some, yeah, a uh, Frontline Gaming San Angeles game mat for a sweet Cyberpunk game board. Yep. It's actually probably one of my favorite game mats they do. It's really cool. I've, I've played on it um, at uh, Best of the Pacific Northwest. So you can go check out my battle report on that. And uh, Oh, there we go. Yeah, there's pictures of it in action. Right, and we're also giving away from Print Terrain a Grasshopper dropship, which that picture makes it look really small. It's not. But it's not at all. That middle area actually opens up on the inside, and there's probably room for five or six guys inside there. Yeah. Like so the, it's pretty big. The engine thing is like slightly smaller than a tennis ball to give you a sense of scale. Yeah. Yeah. I looked, I couldn't find any comparison shots. Um, what else do we have? Oh, we're going to be giving away. Oh, this is the, this is, this was the secret one, but this is fine. The last one. But to one of our Patreon patrons, they'll have a chance. You know, one of them will win the RPG miniature set from Modifius that I had lying around. Yep. So that's a pretty rare and in, in demand kit. Then also someone on our uh, on our Twitch stream will have will be able to walk out with a Spiral Core Army Pack complete with the limited edition uh, Spec Ops. So. And prizes, there's possibly prizes, prizes. more prizes to come. So all you really have to do is like join us next week and celebrate one year of being locked down and trapped inside and not having as many games as you'd like yep. <laughs> by taking away some of the stuff that we haven't been able to use in a year. <laughs> yes. Help us help. <laughs> exactly. Get out of my garage. Lauren's going to kill me. So yeah, the COVID-versary. COVID-versary. Yeah, there you go. Oh, that might be the name of the episode. That, that might be the name of the episode. <laughs> thank you, Yuki. Yep, thank you. <laughs> All right, so, Hobby. I've been primering everything. I'm in love with the Vallejo spray primer, which you haven't tried it yet, is killer. Um, the the colors are it has a really nice range of colors. This is done in their like leather brown, which is equivalent to GW it was snake bite leather, which is going to show my age. It's probably changed five times since then. Yep. Um, it gives me a nice brown to work from. So I primed all of my sons of Behemoth. So that's cool. Lots of primer on them. Then uh, oh, also the what is it Nicodemus, this old Mordheim wizard, which I'm going to paint up very much like Gandalf to be the. Um, I'm totally brain fighting on the name. There's one wizard that they can take. And it's a goblin wizard, but who cares? I want a kind of a, you know, a, a little Europeanish wizard Gandalf to go along cheering on these giant monsters that are ruining someone's village. Like he's some spiteful hermit from the mountains that got a bunch of big rowdy friends to go to go break your house. There you go. Seems good. I was ready. Friends came over tonight. That's what you're saying. Yeah, pretty much. And then I got a bunch of primer on, here we go, so a ton of North miniatures mm -hmm. and my Chaos Dwarf Blood Bowl team. 
And that's is that a Titan helicopter? What is that? No, that is the Scorpion helicopter from okay, the north. Okay, the north. Gotcha, gotcha. It's yeah, it's it's roughly their equivalent, except it's not a transport because Titans sure. are cooler than everyone. Sure, sure, sure. But there's my Titan. There's the tank down below, and then there's just a crap ton of gears. Yep. Very cool. So lots of primer. How about you, John? Well, um, I I can my cast. Uh, I uh, released the the gallery for their painting contest, so I can show you my moderator, which I converted and finally painted up. So this has been sitting in my queue for years now, uh, and it's a really really old school moderator, which I really like. Uh, and it's cool because uh, I gave her the custodian gun and kind of robot arm. So she's been fighting for a long time, got her arm blown off, got a robot arm because Bakunin. And now she's still got her combi rifle with pitcher, like the old school, hilariously giant one that is like the size of her. But uh, she That's also awesome. has a, uh, a Pac-Man headband, which is fun. Uh, so that was that was exceedingly difficult to paint. Uh, and credit to, to Jeremy in the chat for uh, the, the memifying of it all. So there you go. Um, right. Yeah, probably could have done a better job on the eyes, but that's okay. Uh, it's hard. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, Frank printed out um, the new MHT 95 uh, designed by Kayuna. Uh, the gun fits perfectly. So you see the the Canon, you know, the, the one that comes from the store, MHT 95, which is actually from a different game line. They just like swapped in the file, got it. They just borrowed the design. They borrowed the design, which I think is a little sad, but uh, the new one, I think, fits right in with the other uh, tanks in the class, right? So you can sort of see a comparison. The um, the other tanks, except for the bottom left one, are all like traditional CEF design language sort of thing. And, you know, right. I think one of the tanks here really sticks out as being different. I think it's not the one that's green. Um, so I really <laughs> like the new design. Thank you for Frank for to Frank for organizing uh, this effort and, and getting it done. So, yeah. And, and there's the... Uh, there's the the whole oh, there you go. So there's the uh, the family of tanks. I haven't put the finished putting all the gubbins on the the uh, medium tank in the old generation of CEF tanks. So I've, it still needs some work, obviously. But you can sort of see the general size and design language is uh, pretty equivalent to everything else. So no, that's big thumbs that's up really there. cool. It's kind of a kind of a crowdsourced proxy. Yeah, it's a crowdsourced proxy. Uh, it's available on Gumroad. Uh, there was a link in one of the episodes a few few episodes ago, so you can go check that out if you're interested. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge fan, and there's still people working on it, right? So people are mixing and matching it right now. Uh, a guy named Frederu over on the Heavy Gear Discord uh, is tweaking the turret a little bit, and so Frank actually printed that out. So I'll I'll be I'll be messing with that as well, magnetizing all the various uh, weapon options. So that's Neat. that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yes. And then Obi's oh, got some stuff to show off. Oh. Yeah. So this is a uh, anaconda that I converted up. Um. I'd seen the put like you know Adam had done the the conversion with the uh, the gun and I didn't quite want to just copy that so I was trying to kind of think of a, a pose for this thing and ended up uh, just modifying a little bit kind of making its hand lowered and then uh, cut the sword down to more like a K bar it just mm -hmm. kind of looks like it's you know getting ready to, to get somebody mm -hmm. uh, which also is a very fun and thematic type of uh, idea you know just like this five ton ton mech just, just like stabbing. shoving somebody <laughs> right yeah i love the the leg sheath you did there and i really am just horrified at the idea of like this big robot stabbing me with a k-bar as long as my leg yeah it's, yeah, it's right? probably about yeah <laughs> that's awesome dude 
Yeah, your yeah, your so. next conversion can just be like something impaled on a bunch of rebar. Right? <laughs> just like a tag impaling somebody. Uh, got some painting done too. Yeah, and then just mm-hmm. not, not as much as I want to do get done, but I've been working on my uh Serta and Mutan. I kind of gave the uh the Mutan a like a kind of like a blue belly and mm-hmm. a blue throat. Uh, to help break them up a little bit more other than just the horns because i didn't sure. want to go super different with the skin tones right uh, that's really cool i like how you brought that that color variation in there thanks yeah that's really nice and the and the tire is really like it just slots uh-huh. right in there really nice too thanks yeah so that's that's most of that i've been working on i'm happy very cool well, very neat so john get any games in yes we actually played a game you and i oh that's right uh <laughs> remember that game that's yeah remember the game we yeah, played yeah that was fun uh yeah no. so uh i played new Cole for the first time ever uh which is basically i played uh, port arthur core which is basically cef plus new Cole. so i played cef with some new Cole bits um yeah seems fun I, I guess we can go over lists real quick um yeah i took my usual uh tank plus hover car group because that's super good and i liked it then of course my usual four hover bikes or more because that's amazing then i tried some new stuff uh i wanted to try the um the new cool tank which is called the fusilier which is very confusing for all us infinity players it's a tank um and it has uh, it has it's the only tank that is cheap, I think, that has a uh, reaction weapon, at least that I have access to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so that was pretty cool to be able to shoot its stuff in reaction, whereas my CF tanks can't do that. Um, and it has uh, the combination of rapid fire gun, laser, anti-infantry, and anti-tank missiles. So that's uh, much better than the LHTs, but the LHTs are a lot more specialized and have cooler weapons like uh, airburst missiles and stuff. But the real fun part was I took a special forces squad, which was two espions, um, which are like recon special forces gears with stealth and stuff, and then an Enkareshi, which is straight like a Fremen straight out of Dune. Uh, Dude, the Enkareshi is terrifying. It was yeah. probably this, like the thing I'm one of the most yeah, the, one of the things I'm most afraid of now yeah. in fighting you, and it's like one human on foot, one human in quotes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's pretty scary. It it shoots corrosive bullets. So you just have to make a four-up save or your armor starts melting. And you take a point of damage. It doesn't matter what you are. You could be like the chonkiest thing ever. Uh, it just You just start melting, which is pretty rad. Um, and then uh, it also is good at stabbing st- things and shooting things. It will it will eat infantry for lunch. It will like murder small gears. Uh, in fact, that's what I did to your Black Talons. But let's talk about what you brought first. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, the Enkroshi to me kind of is what I imagine if you could take like Achilles at this scale. Yeah, like yeah, like don't get him. Don't let him get near you. He's gonna do more than you expect him to, and he's gonna shiv one of your one of your tags, right? Yeah. So for me, I uh, went back to Black Talons for a game. I love the models. Want to give another whirl. I've kind of started to get my head around North, so I wanted to dip back into them, and it was hard. So it started off with the Omega Vulture Theta, who is just a beat stick you know he's 25 points out of 150 so it'd be like a 50 point model on infinity right yeah 
the light rail gun, the precise light rail gun is monstrous. monstrous. An anti-tank missile, frag cannon if you get close to the infantry. It just does the armor nine. He just does everything. Then I had him backed up with two dark warriors with light frag cannons and lateral cannons just to pop up the oncoming jet bikes, which I knew were going to be there. Mm -hmm. uh, and they also provide some ECM support. Then I took an owl commanding officer. So neither one of us has played with the ranks of commanders before. We'd always just use a CGL as our leader. And this was really cool. So the owl has a, a skill point base plus veteran for another skill point, and then another one for being a commanding officer, yep. which is normal. If it was a CGL, I'd have three also, but being a commanding officer means it can issue orders to people outside of his own group. Yep. So he just sits in the back and gives me three additional rerolls a turn. It's great. Or, or gives bonus dice or all kinds of stuff. Yep, exactly. And then he was backed up with a Raven, so I could count it as a recon squad mm -hmm. for objective selection. Raven with a medium rifle, again, just goals to hide back do smoke, shoot things, ECM things. And then it was my big squad. So I've been wanting to try the Dark Coyote for a while. Uh, it is 35 points. So like a 70-point Infinity model. It is huge. So I had, you know, in Infinity terms, I had a 70-point model and a 50-point model on my list. So nearly half my army uh, tied up in two models. And this thing has a ton of actions. It has a better railgun than the Omega Vulture. A rotary cannon. It is also a veteran with an extra skill point. It was the CGL for the squad. It has an ECM plus, which gives it basically has white noise kind of equivalent all the time. It has some ECM protection all the time. And I just loaded them. It's I more mimetism in infinity yeah, terms. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So had him paired with a bunch of infantry. So I, I like taking infantry in the Black Talons lists. They have really solid infantry choices, and the Mastiff, their little transports, are obnoxious and great. Yep. They are very annoying because so, they have rifles, and they can shoot you in the butt because they're fast. Yep. And so taking the two Mastiff with the four infantry squads lets me take the Dark Coyote as a secondary group, so I'm not stuck taking the, um, wipe, the them wipe Them Out yeah. mission. So that was that was also part of the reason is the, the infantry are a cheap way to fill out that other group. Right. So I think probably the, the thing to take away from this, right? So as deployment is you can go read the battle report. But basically, um, Adam took assassinate because he has to because that's part of his list construction, I think, right? Yep. Uh, so you, you, you get some special bonuses, but it means it forces a, 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 a objective selection on his side. He took break the line. But that was means, very, hmm? I'll say that was actually very intentional because I didn't want to have to take hold. Sure, 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 sure. I'm, I'm just saying that you didn't get a choice. It just happens. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, once yeah. You select the Once you select the quote-unquote sectorial, it forces an objective choice on you. And obviously, yeah. like, you picked that on purpose, you know, because you wanted it. But nevertheless, yeah. it's still it's still forced. Um, then you took break the line and detailed scan. Um, and break yep. the line basically means you just have something in my deployment zone. And you get a point. Um, and then detailed scan means you have to go next to next to me and make a whip roll, effectively. I took break the line. Yeah. Uh, I took detailed scan, which is the same thing. And then... Uh, hold, which forces me to park within four inches of an objective on my side of the table. Um, and the two of us have gone back and forth a lot about selecting both who your combat group leaders are, because the targets for assassinate and detailed scan are the combat group leaders and your opponent's force. Um, so you both want commanders that can do cool things and issue orders, have good guns, all this other kind of stuff. Um, and you also want commanders that are also... Uh, hard to kill and hard to scan, 
right? So there's a lot of like yeah. competing things being pushed on them. And also like if you if you do things like uh, take four jet bikes, right? Kind of, yeah, jamming is another thing. Uh, so if you take four jet bikes, one of them is going to be the commander. I, but I also want my jet bike across the field doing stuff. So it exposes the commander to getting scanned or assassinated. And I want Adam to like have to walk across the table to kill them, right? So uh, it's it's a, it's a bit of a push-pull here. So it was really interesting. So when I chose my detailed scan target, I was like, oh, I'll choose the... The owl has really good ECM stats, so it's hard to scan. So I chose the vulture, which has the worst out, out of uh, the commanding officers that I thought. And then I thought the coyote would be bad, but it turns out the coyote is very good. Uh, so I wasn't it's able like to scan them. I tried probably, what, five times? Yeah, five or six times. It's like one of the top hackers in the game, and you're trying to hack it. Yeah, I was, I was, it was, it's the interventor of hacking. And I was just like, but, ah, annoying. So that was irritating. Um, and then you chose assassinate and detail scan. I just kept the two targets that you chose, like in the back corner, and put a bunch of stuff in front of them to make it hard. Yeah. Um, so that was it's it's a uh, it's a bit of um, an interesting situation there. It, it was a really fun game. There was a spot where on turn one or two, I could have thrown my raven out of the bus. Right. And scanned both targets that I needed to. Yep. But the issue with black towns, like if you look at my model count, if you don't count the infantry, how many models do I actually have on the table? Right. right, one, two, I've three, got... four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, and two of those are warriors, which are pretty weak. And yeah, the other two are massive, which are also pretty weak. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to like actual like combat gears, I've got four, five, and then the the uh, uh, coyote. Mm -hmm. So if I throw the raven, if I lose the raven too early in the game, I was worried that it would cost me later. So what ended up happening was I think you saw that opening that I had and were just like peace and never yep. gave it to me again. Yep, I wasn't able to I was that. like, well, okay, nope, can't have that anymore. And I just like ran, ran the F away. Uh, so that was, that was good for me <laughs> that, that you didn't take the opportunity there, but it was good. Uh, I think the, the, the best part was um, when I stabbed your owl in the butt and killed it. <laughs> With the Angaroshi? Yeah. So that was really fun. One, your one little dude just, yeah. Wrecking the owl in combat. Pretty much. It's like this little sand, like Tuscan sand raider just like jumping up on him and like pulling cables out and then jabbing the knife into something important. So, yep, that was a high point. There was another really good one where you were able to get jet bikes behind my vulture, forward observe the vulture, and then like rain anti tank missiles directly up its butt. It was butt. just one. It was just, well, it felt like rain. It was. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I, I one shot Adam's vulture with an anti tank missile because I designated it and that felt really good because get, you get a bonus die from being behind stuff so that was that was excellent it was well. awful yep and you and you rolled super potato i think i rolled i rolled a three on 3d6 yep and then i re-rolled it and rolled a three again on 3d6 yeah and i rolled really good so i <laughs> uh, can't help you there um let's see what else oh, fine. yeah um i played a game play? against frank so you can go read Ooh. this one this is a game of decap um, so we're going to talk about decap soon. So I'll save the discussion, uh, for that episode, but basically it's going to be, uh, this very silly Sarmatalis, which is a Hector and a five man link, a crusher Andromeda and Yoka parachutists. Jesus. Uh, it's very <laughs> silly. Hector did not shoot his gun once. Uh, and what? the crusher, the crusher did all of the work. <laughs> what did the, what did the crusher kill by the end of the game? Did so you check that? I, I did. So at the bottom, 
So I sent I sent my list to Tim, and Tim was like, oh, geez, how'd that go? Seems like Hector needs his big boy pants to really pressure that. So the Crusher killed Gao, Keltar, Galrael, Makuil, Sukiel, Diplomat, and both designated targets. <laughs> and so, so of course, Clint comes in and goes, you. sounds like he crushed it. <laughs> so No, no. I'll not give it to you. There you go. <laughs> yeah right <laughs> thanks oh, so good you're welcome i yeah. mean adam over here being a killjoy yeah exactly it was, you killed me, yeah. you know? it was a it was a very <laughs> weird star model list to be sure um but anyway so yeah that was so that's good. it for my games obi did you get any games in uh yeah i got a game in on friday uh of uh shoot what were we even playing um you know i'm, I'm actually <laughs> a rescue <laughs> i was like okay. i can't, can't even remember what we we're playing um and it ended with a a four three tie uh, oh. i was able to go and grab one of my guys and get it all the way back and he was only able to take it to the uh the dead zone um but it's i feel like that that missions changed quite a bit to where yes. get, to get a high score on it you have to get more uh people and getting one person is oftentimes like the hardest thing you'll do <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, it's right tough. like i am stoked if, when i play that mission if i get one i mean i for a long time i was doing pretty good being able to steal two but I was playing uh, talk, which you know I haven't played in a while, and sure. uh, you know I haven't played a lot to begin with, and uh, was able to get one. I think if I had been a little bit more uh, with it, and we we kind of had to rush the last turn a little bit. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, it was pretty fun. Uh, a lot of just like standing around and waiting for him to uh, try and discover a camo token. And then him failing it <laughs> and trying with like two other guys. And then it ends oh. up being a decoy. And he's like, oh, oh I man, guess that's the worst. I had to do it. <laughs> oh, that's rough. Yeah. So kind of just forced a lot of uh, turn, you know, order wasting. Sure. But see, that's why I just have guys that just run out into the open and hope for their symbiote mates to, <laughs> to keep them alive. Oh my god, yeah, that game versus uh versus Frank, I nailed the Sukio with a light rocket launcher and he like rolled a 1 for his save. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. So he lost the bomb, the mate and uh and uh, and uh, a wound. It was it was the worst. Uh, so that's the one thing that's weird is the bomb no longer has a cancellation clause that is linked to your inactive state. Oh, oh. interesting. Okay. Not well, that I, I mean, I'd have to double check, but yeah, I don't yeah, think Clint, it, uh... Clint, Clint com, comes in with the with the rules check. He shouldn't lose the bomb. Didn't matter. I killed him on the next order, but okay. Nevertheless, yeah, uh, rolling the one is really sad. Yeah, that was I mean, really sad. He was like, "No, why?" And this was after having like when... potato rolled the last like three rolls too. Yeah, yeah, it's especially sad when you don't have like uh, you know when you get hit by something that only does one wound too. Like, right. I mean, kind of nice that you don't have to then make the armor you know an extra armor roll but right uh you know at least when you roll a one against the missile you're like okay well at least i, I soaked two wounds yes yeah i miss i miss flash <laughs> pulses getting rid of uh right mates i know 
it does now, doesn't it? No, because they're. Did I don't they think so. I'm pretty sure. I mean, they're immune. Sure. That's for sure. Oh, it does. It they're does according immune, to Clint. But yeah, it does. It, it's no longer like it was in N3. Got it. Oh, good. Okay. Well, totally totally immune stuff can still wander around was... and ignore it. Oh yeah. Well, great. Um. So game way game wise for me, not only have I been playing, well, I played in a year with John. I've been playing Tapeworm with Gene. So this was a Kickstarter game that came out fairly recently, a couple months ago. And it's disgusting. You are you are basically like matching matching the, the different cards together to make this long convoluted tapeworm that is like stitched together. And all of the all of the negative space around the tapeworm is poo. It's just brown with little chunks in it. And awesome. the different tapeworms have different personalities. So like the pink tapeworm is cute and whenever it gets the head, it's all these like chibi faces. And then the red tapeworm is angry. The the white tapeworm is <laughs> is kind of like queasy looking all the time. And then the black tapeworm is like disgusting and, and cheerful, like a nurgling. Viewership is going down as we speak. I know, right? It's, <laughs> it's, it's actually so it's a lot of fun. It's it's kind of like really fast Carcassonne, much easier scoring because it just plays to, to whoever runs out of cards in their hand. Oh, okay. And then depending on what card you play, um, sometimes they have special abilities associated with them, which force people to draw cards or let you discard cards or you know, let you uh, scry, basically. Um, so, yeah, it's a pretty, it's a really fun game, and it's it's pretty fast. You know, Jean has no idea what she's playing. She doesn't know that it's a tapeworm in poo, um, but I do. Right. <laughs> so... It's it's pretty enjoyable, and you know we don't we don't play with all the extra strategy, you know, all the extra layer of strategy with the special abilities. We just play it out to match, and she's pretty good with it. So I've got Carcassonne Junior on order. Very cool. Carcassonne is a lot of yeah. fun. I look forward to playing Carcassonne with Gene. Yeah, I really that's one of my favorites. That's an excellent. Idea. All right. Well, that means. It is time for prizes. Prizes, prizes, prizes. All right, here it comes. So every week, Mythic Games provides one of our lucky listeners with a $10 gift certificate to moegames.com. There's a hyphen in there. Uh, to enter, all you have to do is listen to our show live and chat with us, and you'll have a chance to win. So you guys have you know 10 more seconds or so to make sure you've said at least one message during the conversation. Yep, time to get and the ref. Will, yeah, exactly. will push the button. Time to get the button pushed. Yeah, Are get the button ready. ready. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one, go. All right, there we go. The tenor works. <laughs> Congratulations, Remdog Killianaire. I'll go ahead and send you a message right now to get all your details to send over to MOE Games, and we'll get you hooked up. So thank you, everyone. All right. That means it's time for our main So tonight we are talking about the two missions in ITS season 12 which revolve around having uh an objective room. There's a room in the middle which you have to control to win the game. It's pretty straightforward. And then either one of them just has some you know little extra flair around that. Um 
the kind of some main things to consider with both these missions is you're going to get close to the enemy. You're going to be in chain rifle range. You're going to be in shotgun range. That room is only eight inches by eight inches. If you're inside of it, you are, it's going to get bloody. And both of the missions score at the end of the game round. So you need to not only just run into the, the room at the end of turn three, you kind of need to be in the room all the time. And that can uh, that can propose some interesting challenges. <laughs> might even, might so, even create a panic. Ooh, should we start? Should we start with this? Should we start with? Should we start with the armory? I mean, panic room. <laughs> I set you up in everything. <laughs> <laughs> I set you up in everything. Oh well. It was uh, like the layup, and just Adam was like, "No." <laughs> just like I'm blocking the ball on my own team. <laughs> Played it like it was a volleyball. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're playing volleyball, right? <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, let's start with Panic Room. Okay, so uh, just a few notes. Um, basically, it's a little different than other objective room missions in that uh, while there is still an objective room, it blocks line of sight uh, and is infinitely tall. Um, there are four Biotech 4 antennas that sit on the table, right? So that's the first thing you need to know. Um, and there's also a growing Biotech 4 area. So it grows, I believe, four inches a turn uh, from all boundaries, and it will continue to get closer and closer. And I, I believe it's at the end of the whole round, right? So um, anyway, it, it does BTS damage to you, and if you fail the saves, you die. And if you are in it at the end, you die. Uh, the one exception is if you're touching one of the Biotech 4 antennas because it like produces a little area of effect that saves you if you're touching it, right? Um, you can blow up the other player's uh, antenna, though, with the normal anti-material stuff uh, like missile launchers, DA sniper rifle rounds, or stabbing it with a decharge or something like that. So those things uh, will work um, to to keep you alive, but also if your opponent is clever and you've clustered your whole link team around there, you can blow it up and uh, have them die at the end of the round. So there's that. How do you win the thing, right? So basically you want to be in the panic room because that gives you an objective point at the end of every round. Also, if you have a essential trooper inside the panic room that's not dead, that gives you an additional point. Uh, so this does not mean that um, you need to dominate, right? So the other guy yeah. could have his entire army in there, but if you have one trooper in there that's considered an essential trooper, you still get your point. They may also have a essential trooper in there, in which case they would get two points, one for having more things in there points-wise, and one for having the uh, the cool kid in there, right? So the essential personnel, and then at the end you want to have uh, more points left alive, right? That's three points, and then there's a there's a classified. So uh, let's really quickly talk about what the um, what the essential personnel are, right? So lieutenants, yeah. troopers uh, with the NCO number two or chain of command skills are all all essential personnel. Also anything that's considered a headquarters troop or is a character is an essential personnel, right? So there's there's plenty of options for most armies. Um, I don't think like there's definitely some situations where you're like, I don't know if I want to take that link team into the room, but you'll have something that you can throw in there and get those points. Uh, and everybody has access to like at least one character, right? So you can at least do that. Uh, yeah, yeah the just is not like you're going to a Rangers game. Everybody is sick outside, but you want to cram as many people into a small area as you can. Yes. That, that, that seems good. Uh, one important thing to remember <laughs> is that there is confused deployment. Uh, Adam, Adam forgot in our game. Um, but I was it's, confused. It's right there. Uh, it's hard to it's hard to see, and it's not in any of the other um, 
like there's usually the uh, the special rules up here. It wasn't in there, which is kind of a bummer. Um, but basically all it says is if you're going to be outside your deployment room, so deployment zone, you need to make a fizz minus three. And if you fail, you're sad. This one also, though, doesn't have, not to be confused with biotech core, this one still has a 12-inch deployment zone, correct? Uh, yes, I believe so. Yeah, yeah so, so you start a bit closer. Oh, no, it's eight. It's eight. It's eight. Oh, it's eight. It's eight, yep. Okay. So on, on a full well, four, four foot table, it's, it's because it, it grows. So you're not immediately in danger. Yeah. So if yeah, you, exactly. if you, if you deploy four inches up right in the, in the, uh, so basically like in this dark green band here, you're fine for the first turn. <laughs> then, then you, but yeah. it helps a lot, right? So you can leave some of your fire support options like in the back, right? If you, if you don't want to deploy them on top of an antenna, you can put them on a roof and then scoot them forward across a bridge or something, get them to safety. Those are all things you can do. Yeah, so those antenna are a bit interesting because they let you, they basically give you a safe spot, right? Like right. safe, that's the antenna. Yeah. You won't and... be killed there. So that's kind of neat. Um, the other thing I really like about it is it's a lot like the, the Dante's Inferno mission from mm -hmm. uh, the Irregular, where you're not like taking damage necessarily turn one. You can, right. walk, you can walk your way out of it. But by the end of the game, like three quarters of the table surface area is lava. Right. <laughs> So, it's also much seems much harder to because of the way it comes in on the sides too. It makes it more difficult to avoid uh, the enemy. So if you're going first, yeah. you know you're going to be crammed pretty close to everything that they've got as well. Um, you know, whereas with biotech four, you could still kind of skirt the edges of of the table. Yeah, exactly. It is it is forcing you. One of the one of the things I really like about it is that it basically is forcing you to interact with the opponent. Mm -hmm. Like you are gonna be within twenty four inches by the end of the game. You're gonna be right up on top of each other. Yeah. It also means that your long range attack pieces become worse over time because both you and your opponent are moving in at you know pretty close to top speed at a good clip uh, towards that center area. Also, when you deploy, if you deploy your troops, um, to the same point, if you deploy your troops on either flank of your army, they have to move a longer distance because they have to move at a diagonal. To get out of the zone. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, so it's a it's messy. I love Jerry, it. Jerry makes a good point. I mean, we can talk about this a little bit more in a second, maybe. But uh, the the scenarios can be super intimidating, but also very interesting to new players. Do you think this is something you'd recommend to a new player? This particular mission. I, I might because there's um, there's no retreat in it, mm -hmm. so that takes off a little bit of pressure, and I kind of feel like it, it's. The trouble is, like, I, generally I would, but then you they go up against somebody that has, like, three TR bots and just pins them in their deployment zone. So, like, it's it's a bit tricky, but I think it is, in some ways, friendlier than Biotech War because you have more time to escape the zone. Yeah, okay, so and I yeah. guess I guess to, uh, uh, to, I guess, Melanie's point in uh, chat, right, uh, you recommend this over Biotech War because it's just more forgiving. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think this one, too, acts a little more like Biotech 4 used to, where it's, uh, you know, Biotech 4 used to be much more focused on uh, getting out and killing the other, you know, the other player. Mm -hmm. And now with the way that it's added in more uh, classifieds, it's really a very different, and you've got to have... Well, it's a totally of, different mission. you kind of got to have a lot of, uh, you know, different contingencies, uh, whereas this, it's 
it kind of all funnels you towards that room um and the room is how you score and killing people is how you score so it's a little yeah. bit more uh, focused you get, that way. you get three points for killing yeah which is presumably the the one of the easier tactics to learn in the game yep. right you don't need to think about bringing a ton of different specialists you want to bring a couple for the uh for the essential personnel but otherwise your main goal is i'm going to murder some faces and get in that box and so like the it doesn't have that extra layer of meta game where it's like how many specialists do i bring to this mission that's about killing you know it's yeah. it is uh it's a little bit more forgiving in that regard all right so let's talk about maybe fun. how you win this thing yeah yeah so you you cranked out the math on here I did. So here's a spreadsheet that I made. Uh, the left is just the binary, like who has which, uh, who has who's dominated the thing at the end of the turn. Effectively, if you want to get to a win, you need to kill more stuff and have the objective room um, at least twice. Right? Is it at least twice, or is it at least once with a um, essential personnel? Uh, you can do it. You can do that. So with if you have one essential personnel. Uh, you can do it. Um, you, uh, that that will work at least once, but they can't have any essential personnel in there. Right. Right. So so okay. it's it's basically like I I think the three point swing like the the point of this this spreadsheet at least the 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 takeaway that I had from it was killing more stuff is a lot uh, is a lot more important. important than most of the other stuff in here. And it directly affects the other things, right? So if you want to be single-minded focused on something, just murder the crap out of all the stuff your opponent has on the table. Preferably uh -huh. uh, prioritizing the things in the room and you'll be fine. Sure. Right? So that that's probably the easiest thing to do, right? You just think, like, because this can be very overwhelming. And I think one of the things that, you know, you can do as a newer player is just sit down and look at the the bullet points, right, in the, in the PDF. And it's like, how the heck do you actually win this thing? Right? And then just fool around in Google Sheets, and you'll find out that it's not that complicated once you get down to it. The meat of it is just like murder the things in the room, right? And it's just like, you know, if you were if you were the inside kid and you went to PE, it was like, whoa, how do you play this game? Go get the guy with the ball. All right, cool, I can do that. Yep, and one of the interesting things to remember here, so it's, you're basically talking about like killing more points or killing more stuff and then scoring at least two more points. Right. If you want to win. And... The classified is actually a little bit more difficult in this mission, only because if your opponent is tricky, they can place their HVT in a position where you can't uh, do security HVT at the end of the game, because everything in the zone dies at the end. That sure. zone is 12 inches across. Right. So if they put it close to a table edge and not within eight inches of an antenna, which is also, hint, something you should do. Uh, then your opponent has no way to score that, and if they don't draw an HP, if they don't draw a classified objective that they can do, you've denied them a point already. So it's pretty, it's fun. Yeah, it, like you said, kill stuff and you'll probably do fine. Yeah, like if you if you end up having a, a situation where. Uh, they have a central trooper in there a bunch. You, you can still win this, right? So there's some scenarios where you still win. If you hold it twice, right, you still get four VP in this scenario. Yeah, yeah. And we can say that uh, our good friend actually offered the name for this mission, Keith Setchel. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah you're right. Because it used to be, right? what, Biotech War Room or something? Yeah, it was something like that. And then 
uh, we kind of told Pete about the upcoming mission. He was like, it should be called Panic Room. And I sent that over to Coney and boom. Right. Panic Room. Exactly. It's it's a much more flavorful name. Yeah, yeah it's, it's perfect. That's that's well, basically I think it. it was for them too, it was, you know, I think there was the question, they're like, what is what's that about? And then somebody explained, well, like the panic rooms where you go when like everything's, you know, <laughs> going to hell. Yeah, yep, yep. Everything's gone to shit outside, hiding here. So yeah, no, it's a it's a fun mission. Obi, have you have you played this one very much? I've only played it once. Um, but yeah, it was pretty interesting. I uh, was running Tanguska, and uh, I think they've got some issues, or at least you know what I was bringing was having a lot of issues with uh, uh, just objective rooms in general. Mm-hmm. And then, well, so one of the other thing, one of the nice things to think about, just think about Tanguska, um, got me to thinking about Kriza, of course. Mm-hmm. Which then, don't forget, you can walk forty millimeter base models in here now. Yep. Yeah. No need to go. I don't know if I put a Kriza in there. No, but I put a Devil Dog in there. That's a much better option. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, it's a harder option for Tanguska. I mean, if you can get a Kriza up in there and suppress a fire or something, like that's that's not nothing. Yeah. That's true, but the it's now now that uh, full auto is is just mimetism, right? Effectively, it's a little it's a little less. A little, yeah. It's still good. Yeah, it's still ugly. So I, I mean, I, I guess, I guess it out. now, it, now it actually stacks with the uh, the suppressive fire, though. That's true. So there is that benefit. I guess, um, yeah. What would you throw in there? Obviously, multi moon models is good, right? Um, things that are immune to hacking is also great, right? So obviously, you can still get spotlight. Yeah. But like medium, like uh, Yadu. Yeah, Yadu <laughs> are great. Um, like. Things with NWI that are medium infantry, so they don't. There's like there's a few things with that. Um, so things like that are, are really good. Um, yeah, I do or yeah. So uh, yeah. So how do you set up defensively, right? So what what do you what do you do in this case? Is this as like defensively like you want to hold the room right. from the opponent? Yeah. So what you did against me that I thought was very effective was you didn't just secure the room; you secure the area around the room. And that basically you're setting up a layered defense that I have to get through before I can even step foot in the room. So if you can get fast models that can move into position like Yadu, they're going to be tough. Then that is a that's a really good place to start. Yeah, think about knights, think about mobile brigada. Things that are just going to sit there and be obnoxious to kill. And you have to deal with all that before you get in. If you make your opponent have to fight you to get into the room and then fight to stay in the room, like they're gonna have a hard time, right? Yeah, I mean, it's. I think with rooms, uh, you know, using your smoke and, uh, you know, if you have it, white noise, or you know, if it becomes a thing that you can use um, to allow yourself to even just walk into the room, uh, because then it, you've kind of forced your opponent to then try and dig you out with the things that they have in the room, or not yeah. use those units at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, Especially if you can just, you know, walk in somebody with like a shotgun or a uh, chain rifle or something of that sort. Yep. Yep, totally. Yeah, so just to give a concrete illustration of what Adam was talking about earlier. So what I did was I pushed this Rudris across the table, got it into cover here. There was a link team up on top of this building um, that I killed some of the members of. And then this Rudris just like made a bunch of saves and it was a, a, a big a big deal. And then having, having a Yadu in here. Uh, that was still linked was helpful as well. 
Oh, no, yeah, it was a suppression. The it was a suppression at that point. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, you can dodge into the room, which is obnoxious. Somebody mm-hmm. gets close and you dodge in. Yep. Something else you have to deal with now. Uh, having long-range AROs, right? So this is this down here was a missile bot, and there was a Yadu HRL somewhere over here uh, that helped as well. So uh, hackers and missile bots are super strong in this mission. Uh, the list that I mm-hmm. took, I think, is just a great... Like, if you're looking for something to play and you play uh, Aleph, um, this is, I think, 17 wounds of awful? 18 wounds of awful? Yeah. I don't know. Some, something terrible, right? So it's a, it's a bunch of Yadu, a Deva, and then... Uh, um, Deva Hacker, and then a, uh, a missile bot Harris, because the, the missile bot can join links in OSS. So you want stuff right. in the room. When Adam puts stuff in the room, you just spotlight it, and then you can literally move your things out of the biotech force zone while dropping guided missiles on whatever Adam, Adam, your opponent has in the room. So, um, Yeah, if you're going first, I really think the layered defense is important. Yep. That's really gonna That's really going to come into play. Yeah, you, know, you basically have to do it because otherwise the opponent just walks in the last order, right? Yep. You you have to have some way to deny them, and that's where moving up and securing the perimeter outside of it is important. Um, I think that's kind of the key to going first in this mission, even, and that's exactly what you did to me, and it was yes. awful. Yes. But also, don't feel like you need to score it on turn one. Right. Yeah, we just right, saw like, right using the spreadsheet. You only need two turns worth of stuff to really secure the way. Yeah. It, it, if you're gonna if you're gonna throw somebody out of the bus just to have a model in there and you're going first and you've got one dude in there, two dudes in there, you're just giving your opponent things that they're gonna go kill. Right. Which get which gets them closer to the scoring more victory points. So instead if you can make it a little you know, slow them down getting into it, or kill a couple things on their way in, that's better, I think, than than shoving something sacrificial that you're hoping survives. Yep. So and then when it comes to losing, how do we lose gracefully? Is there a two tournament point loss? Uh, there's two tournament point ties. Okay. It's really hard. That's also to, pretty hard to math. To get the loss. Yeah, I mean you can do it, right? So here's a scenario where it happens if the other guy somehow manages to get essential troopers all three times, and you have, uh, you've right. killed more stuff and you've held it for um, two turns. That turns into a a tie. A tie, which is it's weird. a little, it, yeah. That that's a that's a pretty edge case tie. Yeah, it's hard because that that means like you're just sort of sitting in the room for a while and just studiously ignoring one another. That may make right. sense if you have like a so some objective rooms if you set them up will have a bunch of terrain in the center like a, some maybe like a a bunch of cabinets or boxes and stuff to break it up. I think that's actually a generally good idea. It makes the objective room missions a little more yeah. interesting and less punishing, right? Because otherwise you do something like drive a combi rifle TR bot or one of the uh, Ariadna TR bots like an Urigan, right? And just park it right at the door. Sure. Um, and then Go nobody can walk in without taking awful, awful, awful uh, arrows. So having something that blocks it is is uh, helpful. And it, I don't I don't think that it really affects the game. You definitely still have a lot of options to attack. It just means you need to go to another door or spend the extra order of moving around. And that also often lets you do things like drop a mine uh, to cover the trooper that was you know, on the other side of the bookcase or whatever it is. Um, so you have options. It sort of offsets the fact that you can't shoot them immediately. And it prevents the the feel-bads of like throwing a missile from downtown like into the room and blowing up a million right. things. Direct fire, right? So. Splat. 
Um, yeah. yeah, and it's, you know, both these missions, as we'll talk to, actually, I'll save mentioning Spotlight for after uh, after the Armory, because yeah. it's relevant there as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we've we've covered that one pretty much. So if you're losing, you're probably going to lose. It's going to be really hard to flip it over to a tie. Yeah. Um, and if you want to win, murder face. So with the Armory, instead of having the, uh, the what's it called, the, the Confused Deployment, we have an Exclusion Zone. So still messes with your deployment. We have localized decompression, which is a cool rule. You're gonna be putting down some, some zones. And then there are panoplies. Um, and of course you're dealing with Shazvasti baggage and the and telecom. So right. at the end of the, each round, you get two points for, for securing the, the room. Yep. That's a lot. That's six points right away. Mm-hmm. An extra one point for dominating at the end which makes turn three a little bit, you know, 50% more important than any other particular turn. And then you want to acquire more items out of the panoplies. So push the buttons and get toys. And then yep. finally, there's one classified objective. So this one, I feel like there are more, well, I'll talk about the, the losses. I was like, I feel like there's more ways to get a not terrible loss, but uh, the way you win is pretty straightforward. You have to dominate more turns. Pretty much. I there is a way. They, Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say they made the uh, scoring of the panoplies much more important. Yes. Uh, than I think that it has been in any of the previous iterations. Like usually, you, just, I yeah. think before it used to be like one point uh, right. or something like that. So whereas now it's it's two. It's um you know it's as much as scoring the, the armory itself. <clears throat> So there is a scenario, and this is what I tried to do in, I, well, I didn't want to do this. It's just by the end of the game, this is what I had to do. Uh, so my uh-huh. game versus Obi, he had the army for both the first and the second turn. But if I got more panoply things and I secured on the last turn, I get a four TP win. Oh, interesting. So that's that's one way. So, you know, this maybe answers Jeremy's question of like, how do you crack the egg if you go second or fuck up, right? This is how you do it. So in the armory, uh, if you get more things out of the panoply and you secure on the last turn, you can still win. That's that's the max points tournament point win. Uh, your objective points aren't great, um, you know, right. for purposes of tie breaking and tournament rankings. But hey, at least you got that four TP, and it's hard to do that, right? So uh, it is. And that's that's not something you want to play for. You no, know? no. But this <laughs> not going to want to shoot for. Yeah, I'll let them have it turn one, turn two. Yeah, don't try for this, but. If you can, it helps. And it's really hard because all the your opponent has to do is pull like two things out of the panoply. That means you have to like get to the armory, um, kill whatever's in there, and then spend at least three orders passing whip rolls to pull like crap out of the panoply and not die to any arrows that are still up. Right. So it's 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 quite difficult. Um I feel like the armory especially because of the exclusion zone, uh, it's very difficult to get stuff to the armory. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's order intensive. Link teams are good for this purpose. Uh, bikes are good for this purpose. Uh, you can hop off the bike and get in there or whatever. Um, yeah, it's it's very difficult. So like in my game versus Obi, uh, what ended up happening was I had I had a great tool for getting. I had many tools for getting in the army. I had a, a peacemaker with Oxbot. I had a guarded assault with Oxbot. I had uh, Scylla with two Deva bots. Right. So I had like all these like free throwaway bots that I could just chuck in there and flamethrower stuff. The only thing I got there was the guarded assault because I just like spent all the orders murdering things with it and then Obi killed it eventually. But 
then I was like, at, at the at, at the end of the game, I was like, I don't have enough orders to get Scylla in there to do anything. I don't have enough order to get anything else in there. So uh, he ended up winning as a result of that. Yeah, it's it's possible, and that's actually one of the things I really like about this mission is that you can win on turn three if if you play very well. I think the uh, all of the objective rooms have really got more interesting in this edition because of that uh, uh, area, you know, zone of control dodge. It really allows yep. you to mm -hmm. reposition and do things that uh, you know get ready for you know that assault that's coming. Um, you know, to the point where you can even you know, jump in, you know, behind cover or, you know, completely out of line of sight to somebody that's coming up to shoot you or try and flamethrower you. Right. It also it also mitigates some of the disadvantages of going first. Yep. These missions. Being able to dodge in at the you know, your opponent's last order. So like they need to make sure that they're either doing something stealthy or something that's not going to grant you a, a, the ability to dodge into the room. Right. Or some yeah, somewhere like on the side of the table or whatever. Yep. So there's there's definitely some interesting counterplay there, especially when you start getting some of like those four inch dodge models near the room. Mm -hmm. That's gonna get tricky fast. Yes. It's fun getting weapons. Don't rely on getting anything good. <laughs> you know, like yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it's it's not a thing where you're you're going into the panel play to do stuff. Right? You're just like just ransacking it for points. That's really what you're doing. Yeah, I think if you have two or three, you can stop spending orders on on opening them up. Yeah, once you hit two, you're probably fine. If you feel like your opponent's gonna just gonna drive a cheap link team in there, and like if if there's a bunch of like Galwegians and Wallace, and they're gonna clear out the objective room, then maybe grab a few extra things if you can. But I wouldn't sink like five orders into it. Um, getting the armory open is also kind of difficult sometimes. Um, there's there's our there's our bonus. I forget. Um, we have to double check, but it doesn't appear to be. The big thing is that you can't blast the door open anymore. Yeah, that's the big thing. Yeah. No, it used to be that used to be that was the thing, right? You like missile launch for the door open, and then it's open on your side, and your opponent still has to deal with it. Right. So yeah, now it really you... allows you really allows allowed you to pack in, especially going first. Mm -hmm. So now that yeah. first turns a lot more difficult because going into the room, you're vulnerable to getting shot by kind of everything that uh, your opponent might have right. watching that. You know, interesting. You know, John, I was just thinking about for this mission is the Zonautica. Mm-hmm. Because it's fast, it can get to the door, and then when it's off the bike, both it and the bike can go inside. Yep. And you can slingshot that thing almost across the entire objective room in one order. Yep. It's very speedy. Yep. They have smoke grenades, so they can cover smoke to protect themselves while they're Chain in there. rifles. It's a hacker, too. Yep, so it's a hacker, so it can open that door. Like, it kind of, it kind of does everything in this mission. Yep. Yeah. Screws up, hack, hack the door open, smoke the door to protect yourself, dismount and walk inside. I I would uh no, transformed bike is not S5, it's uh S Oh sorry. It, it yeah, I think sorry, I was thinking S4. Yeah, yeah, I miss S5, I think. S5, S5 but which is it only hmm? small enough for half of its base to fit through the door. Yeah. Yeah, so the that's one of the changes in N4 is that you can squeeze through a gap as long as it's half your height and half your width. Yep. And an S5 can walk through an S2 door now. Yeah. Because the of that. The robot can walk through. Wait, narrow. Oh, narrow gate specifies S2. Oh. Oh, well, thank you, Clint. Fair enough. So, never mind. Just uh, ignore that last couple of minutes. Instead, just make it go prone and it moves four inches. You're fine. Interesting. <laughs> so, 
All right, never mind. So in panic, in, it works in Nevertheless, panic. Nevertheless, it's still good, right? You can force a dodge and then walk your guy in, right? You can walk the Zonnot in while you force a dodge with the Gen Rifle, so that's also fine. Yeah. Yeah, it works in Panic Room, though, because Panic Room doesn't have narrow gates. It just has an a S2-size hole. Yeah, I do I do miss being able to blow stuff up and, and deny you. But that also has its downside, too, right? Because if you pack an objective room full of stuff, I'm just going to walk over there with a plasma rifle and murder everything, right? So, yeah, no, all right. So going back to the scoring, so the way you win the mission is by dominating it more turns. That's kind of obvious. Yep. Right. Or that last turn, I do everything. It's the that's the Hail Mary. Don't aim for that. So mm -hmm. another way is just dominating. Um, or you said, yeah, for to get four points, you want to dominate the last two turns. Yep. Or the last turn plus Panda, please. Yep. So getting a tie is going to be hard because it's kind of going to mean that you. You were in there, you opened a bunch of Panda, please. Your opponent didn't. And then they pushed you out. And that's so that's going to be it's it's hard to get a tie. But what you can do is you can try to get a two point loss, but it means you're probably gonna have to do that classified. Right. So basically, the way to win this is uh, if you hold for this last two turns or so for two turns, one of which is the last turn, you're probably fine. Right. So even even yeah. in a scenario where. Um, yeah. So in, in the scenario where you hold the last turn. Um, and they have all three of their points from the panoply and they're classified, you get a tie. Right? So that's the scenario here. So you basically want to prevent them from getting their classified and get that. So it's basically just secure and you want to be there on the last turn. That's probably the most important thing. That last extra point is really important. The panoply, if you if you feel comfortable that you can get the both things, you could probably ignore that. Uh, but it's still it's still a big a big deal. Because even even if they have the panoply points and you do not. Right, you can still get to four. Mm -hmm. You can still get to four if you hold the last two turns, or the first and the last. So it's tricky, but it's not impossible. So yeah, the Intelcom objective. Yep. So if I remember correctly, in this one, it's not a canceling of the opponent's objective. It's bonus points on the last turn. Yeah. Uh, you can either do a classified but or. You can do uh, support and control mode, which is you add the value of the card to their into the armory. Effectively, it, it's only last turn though, right? Not any turn of the game. Uh, it's yeah, in, it's in the end of the game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I would I would pretty much only consider that if I got a fifteen or higher on that number. You know, four, fourteen or less, especially with depending on who you're going against, also because fourteen points is you know your entry level combined model. Right, but that could be like two Hawk Islam or Ariadna miniatures. So it's a little bit, it's a little bit tricky. Um, yeah, again, if if I I can't remember what the cards are off the top of my head for fifteen through twenty, but if they were difficult to do and worth a lot of points, then I consider it. But it means that you are going to have a harder time fighting for a tie. Yes, I mean, I don't know. I've I've never really thought about it. Because usually, it's pretty binary. It's not. It's not. It's not a case right. where you know you have like one thing in there. I have one thing in there, and uh, you have like two more points than me or something. Because they're slightly different camo infiltrators or something like that. It's usually yeah. like a, a, you've murdered everything in there, and I'm sad. Um, so, 
Yeah, I mean, it, it might be worth doing if you have an objective you can't otherwise do, but then you're also right. losing the opportunity to do secure the HVT. Yeah, I don't know. I... Yeah, if I get, if I got like an 18, 19, or 20, I would consider it, because that's enough. And if I was... It also, actually, I think it's going to really matter if you're going first or second. Sure. Right? Because if you're going first, your opponent can just pile on enough models that you... How you can't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. And they can likely kill you out of the room. If you don't have anything in the room, you can't use the card. Right. So if I did it, it would probably be because I'm going second, it's a high value card, and I can't do the H and I can't do the classified. Then I would then I would think about it. But that's a lot of ifs. It is a lot of ifs. I mean it's always there. You can always make that decision. Um unlike panic room, there's no biotech four zone, so you could just go secure the HG for that extra point. Right. Um, yeah. So that's an extra point's fairly significant too. I mean, is. that's as much as securing it on the last turn. Yep. So I mean, like so. you can just sort of see like what happens here, right? So that turns turns a loss into a tie. Right. Yeah. Or if yeah, they securing get it, that last turn can can really shift the game, and it can also um, it's also really important for trying to score a two TP loss. Yep. If you want to get both tournament points, then your opponent got to turn one and turn two, and they got all the panoplies. But if you can fight them out of that room, you'll at least get some points on the board. Mm -hmm. um, to me, I'd probably actually, I'd be more likely to take that if I was going second than if I was going first. Yeah. I always feel like going first in armory is generally better because it allows you to kind of set up to receive. But uh, your opponent has to respond to you. Yeah, except for in that game where we played where we, uh, Forgot the exclusion zone until well Oops. after. And I right. just cheated. But... That's how you win. Cheat. <laughs> yeah. Adam is a dirty cheater. We all know this. It is known. But that does go to the point of having, uh, you know, repeaters around the room is fantastic. Yes. It just mm -hmm. really allows you to mess up. But, you know, that's that's how I messed up John with his, you know, his guard data assault. would have probably murdered everything turn one, except that I was able to isolate it because it got a little too close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's talk about some tactics that work for both these missions. Now that you've kind of gone over how to win. Um, repeaters, holy hell. <laughs> if you can get repeater coverage on that room, yep. if your opponent walks into it and you're hitting him with spotlight and they're just nuking the living daylights out of him with a uh, missile bot, that's going to do the trick. Yep. That makes it really, really hard. And yep. that is actually a good another good argument for going first, even though it's scored second. Because going first means that your opponent's first turn, they will have to deal with those repeaters. Repeaters are good. Templates, shockingly, are, I find, less good because there's so much, like, if this this mission forces people to choose things that are good at dodging, I think, right? Uh-huh. So you could run in there with a bunch of chain rifles and just get unlucky for a while. True, true. So I do think, um, though, Mm -hmm. And if you are going to take templates, you should endeavor to get stuff with smoke so you can intuitive attack. There you go. Put the roll face to face. Yeah. Right. Because there's but no really... longer, you can't generate templates off of shotguns anymore when you hit the roll anyway. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, things like that. So I, I think. But also remember, you can't intuitive attack with a shotgun. Right. I know. I'm saying with chain rifle. Yeah. I'm, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So because in the old days, you would be like, okay, I walk in there with a boarding shotgun, I template. I lay a template and I roll for that. 
and that that yeah. was that was brutal for clearing out the armory. Yeah, um, yeah. But now that uh, plasma rifles are circular templates, that's even worse because now you can hit things around corners, which is really bad. It's um, so good. And then <laughs> um, uh, things like uh, rocket launchers are also great. Missile launchers are also great. So anything with a circular template that you get to roll for is amazing. Um, but yeah, I think I think uh, that's how you clear that's why the I armory. Love the crackout. Huh? Crackout's great. The crackout is a great room clear. Oh yeah, he's a yep. template machine. Yep, template like, machine. I got some. I got some chain rifles. I got some grenades. I might have a plus, you know, three to my physique for those mm-hmm. grenades. I mean, really, even just regular Dottorazzi are monsters in that. Yeah. Yeah, but you got to be playing, you know, those the the alien invaders. You can't play yeah, like life. the cool. You'd play the cool alien who's like, you know what? I just, uh, you know, I just want to do drugs and uh, hit people with a chain rifle. Right. Play the non-discontinued aliens. Right. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> spiral uh, corpse. But you know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, so I think clearing clearing the armory is reasonably straightforward. There's also all sorts of ways you can do that. Um, be expect uh, be expect to spend a few orders doing it though. It's not uh-huh. going to be free. Um, you can make it close to free with spotlight, but you have to do that on their turn because spending orders in spotlight in your turn is really sad usually. Um, sometimes it works, especially if you're going to do something like coordinate a bunch of hackers. I feel like things that uh, armies that generally take hackers because they exist, uh, like nomads, for example, you just you just have hackers because you want the thing. Yeah. That it's, it's a the hacking device is attached to. Uh, like Zonautica is a great example. Um, I so, mean, honestly, I'd even consider a war driver. Yeah. In this mission with with Ariadna. Yeah. I mean, if if I know if I know it's coming up as a mission, like, and I've got thirteen points, I can throw at a six sense hacker. It means they can't stealth into the room. Right, and just run the run them up into the corner, and yeah, you know, they don't. What's guided is the Katyusha is guided. They always get guided. the backward. Oh, they're both guided now. I believe so. Oh man. Okay. So you can also For take a rem driver. A rem driver has uh, has uh, deployable repeaters in Ariadna. So there's that. There's also Isabel McGregor who has a bunch oh, of fun yeah. toys. Uh, she's got a TT rifle and emollers, so that clears a room real good. Um, yeah, that's right. Has that's some options. Uh, and yeah, and of course, if you're if you're playing Toha, uh, then you win. <laughs> this, no, this... Nobody likes somebody who farts on the elevator. Like yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Toha, Toha, love that mission. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was when I played. Uh... The couple of missions I was playing Tanguska mainly because I was like, I'm just going to bring probably two of the Takriel. <laughs> yeah, right. You just you just spam Takriel and then a bunch of bombs and then off you go. Kriegels. Yeah, cover that room. Um, mines are fine, but they're, your opponent's probably just going to move dodge in there. Yeah. But, you know, 50 50 chance to hit a, a high fizz model. There's not a, not a terrible chance to do some damage with it. But don't rely on mines to hold the room for you. Yeah, mines won't hold the room for you. Um, now, something kind of fun to do, though, is if you can get in the room with smoke, uh, I've done this a lot with uh, with Morats, is you place a couple mines and then go into suppressive fire. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of a, a pain. Harder to do now. Yeah. But, I mean, if they mine the crap out of the room, like, there, there's a delicate balance here. Because if, let's say... 
Adam mines the living daylights out of the room. I'm going to throw a war car under the bus and just roll them in there. Yeah, who cares right. then? Good and work. All the mines go off. That's fine, right? I mean, at, at that point, that's when you want to have somebody with mines uh, who's watching the, the entrance so that you can just put down a mine as a reaction to that uh, war yep. core. Yep. I mean, the, because the main thing that you're trying to do in a lot of these missions is really just stall out. You know, if you can get your opponent to spend three or four orders just getting rid of mines, the three or four orders that they've spent not killing your dudes. Yeah. And yes, I uh, to answer Dismal Token's question, I have seen that happen. Uh, it was by Nate Kapke, and he threw his war corps under the bus because it was in a secondary group with like three orders in it. Uh, and he threw his war corps under the bus, cleared all of my minds, and I was super sad. I heard there's a really good story over here. Let's go check it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. What's going on in here? Boom. Well, all right. I've got to hey, see buddy, what's going on. You know, some war get crimes happening over there. Better go take a look. Yeah. I mean, the the Serta used to be amazing to do that with mm -hmm. too, because you'd you'd have it just run in first in front of the Giltar. Uh, or koalas, right when koalas could move. Yeah. yeah. Hollow Echoes are great for clearing out mines, for Hollow, sure. Yeah, Hollow Echoes yeah. are great, right? So if you're wondering why the Canron is the thing, now you know. Um, yeah, all kinds of yeah. all kinds of things. <laughs> Pulitzer. Pulitzer Prize. It's a Pulitzer Prize over there. Explosion. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think I think we've talked about how to clear it out. Defending it, I think you do... Like, Do you want long-range things on this and these missions? And the trouble is, so the objective room is infinitely tall. So you can't really use a long range thing necessarily to stop them from coming straight up the middle towards the objective. If you have a if you have a way to basically create an X behind the objective room from your deployment zone or from your um, infiltrators, yep. Then that gets that gets more interesting. But I think like a total reaction bot. If if you overload on the on the long range AROs, like a like a five man link, you know the the tower of power for uh for uh, not small. Varuna? Varuna, thank you. Right? You're spending a bunch of points on a group that isn't going to get in the zone. Sure. Right, you're holding them out of position to provide a long-range ARO. And if that ARO can't see behind the building, you're really limiting your own effectiveness with it. Yeah. I mean, I do think, though, that... So, here's an in my game versus Obi, I took a, a regular sapper sniper out of a econ, yeah. right? And... I used that to good effect to sort of annoy the crap out of Obi for a bit. Um, and then I pushed it up the board and was taking shots at things with it. Um, and at that sure. particular point, most of the stuff that it needed to kill was dead. But I did kill a bunch of stuff. Like it came around, it swung around wide. Because basically what happened was I moved the five-man link up forward on my right to sort of take the right side of the door. Um, and in doing so, that opened up some uh, lanes of fire uh, to things behind the objective room. Nobody was trying to protect, and I was able to take some stuff out that way. So I think I think it's worthwhile. Um, you just have to think more about playing um, a lateral game, right? So finding an angle, like pushing up the very side of the board and shooting behind the the objective room. Because typically, what people do is they say, "Oh, there's an infinitely tall thing. I'm just gonna put my important thing behind it that I don't want to die there." Uh, and it's helpful to be able to get a, a line on that. Oftentimes they'll use that as a staging area for troops that didn't have the ability or the movement to get into the objective room. So they might be left out in the open or uh, standing behind some terrain or something. You can get them in cover, but 
you can at least get a shot on that you wouldn't able to before because of the giant tall objective room. Oftentimes people, when building an objective room, just by the nature of, uh, like you're not allowed to block off the doors on the side, right? Uh, so there will be a fire lane, at least in front of the doors, and generally there'll be enough terrain, or uh, rather uh, enough of a lack of terrain that you can shoot basically like from your deployment zone along the objective room to somewhere near their deployment zone, if not all the way into their deployment zone. So there's some angles you can play, I think, with a long-range weapon there. Whether you do that with something that's a very, um, you know, dedicated arrow piece, like say a Kamau MSR, right, like we talked about, like on a tower, I don't think you do that. I think you put it on the ground where you can maneuver it uh, and maybe cover one of those particular small fire lanes. So, yeah, if you're going to use them, have a, you know, as always, have a plan. I wouldn't. I probably would not use a um, five-man link for it. I mean, it, it really depends. I mean, you can do a five-man link with a long-range weapon, but you've got to realize that they need to be mobile. Right. Uh, yeah, or if it's, if it's a throwaway link. Yeah. You know, like like a Kaisutsu missile link. Like that's cheap enough that I can sure. leave out. Sure. Like I mean, really, even that that link that John was using, if it you know if the table had been set up a little differently. You could have just left that link where it was for probably the whole game and still get sure. a, a pretty good effect out of it. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the main things too to think about when I think with setting up an objective room is to make sure that you have some terrain within the objective room mm -hmm. uh, besides just the panoplies, uh, because I, I feel like really something you want something central in that the middle of that uh, that S, you know an S two model can hide behind. Uh, because otherwise you just, you know, as soon as somebody, you could set yourself up so that you're seeing into that room. So as soon as somebody enters, you can just start shooting them. Um, and I feel like that kind of takes away from, you know, the, the interesting dynamics of that mission. Yeah. So, um, Obiscus in the chat kind of brings up a talk about the decompression zones. So decompression zones are something you can actually use to prevent those long-range arrows also. Dropping down. Or, yeah, or disincentivize them anyway. Yeah, disincent not prevent them, but make them half as terrifying. Or make them even better because you got Lemieux sitting on them. <laughs> also yeah, true. That's, that's fair. I mean, like, I would absolutely plant one of those things directly in front of my Noctifer missile launcher. Uh, <laughs> All day long. Uh, I was doing it with days. Now I just can only do it in certain missions but for free yep yep yeah i'll take it yeah localized decompression the problem with localized decompression though is that uh i you know i would i would venture to say that a lot of us aren't getting enough games in now so it's the rule that i most often forget because it's not in all the missions right so you know we'll be like on the in the bottom of two like ah crap <laughs> this is too late so yeah you need at least something in the middle of the room this uh this like shelving shelving unit that i have in there is great because at an angle it blocks line of fire through from all four directions mm -hmm. yeah it's really nice because then you you basically like have a way to get into the room safely before you start interacting which is nice yeah it makes it fun for everyone yeah you know, exactly. if if you're just sitting on the back side with a tr bot as soon as they walk through the door like that's not fun yeah that's no good because then you can't do anything and then if your smoke carrier said you really can't do anything yeah, right. rotating the room 45 Just, degrees uh, is a thing. Uh, I don't think that would break the game. Um, I mean, 
but it also creates like two angles that you can shoot straight through. Yeah. Right, because you edge to edge. Sure. I mean, it's it's fine. It's fun. I mean, I try it. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think it changes anything dramatically. You basically just have to account for the difference in your the rest of your table setup, right? Yeah. I mean, the other thing too with the room is is also you can put things along the sides of the room mm -hmm. uh, on the exterior, and then yes. just like in that shot there uh, where you had those barrels, uh, and that I think helps a bit too um because then you're you're not set you know you're able to sneak around a little bit more um yeah. you know sneak up the edge of that that building rather than you know as soon as you poke your head around the building you're just getting it blown off right yeah having having some terrain near the building i like guess this is the this is the focal center point of the mission you should spend a little bit of extra time thinking about the terrain inside and outside and just make it not just sort of bare because then it becomes very dicey, literally, right? Just like, okay, I roll. Oh, well, I rolled better than you. I got a crit and arrow. Womp, womp. Well, that was a fun game. Now, there's actually some development to uh, your positioning. There's interesting decisions to make. I mean, that's why we all play this game, right? Is to make interesting and fun decisions. Um, so I've played the Warsenal objective. And this is an, an answer to Abyscus's question. Uh, about uh -huh. thoughts on the new CB room with the raised walkway on one side of the room with the ladder to it. Uh, oh, I think cool. I think it's great. Uh, I've played with the um, the Warsenal one that has the second story and access it's to the like second that, story. The and... one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like yeah. that. Um, it doesn't super break the game. Stuff in the objective room rarely gets cover because you can generally find a way to maneuver to get it out of cover anyway. So it doesn't super break stuff. Um, and you can, you know, it's all kinds of like the whole point of infinity when you move around, right, is to get keep cover and get the opponent out of cover. And there's going to be a way to do that no matter what. And I think um, having the um, having the second story is is just another way of doing that. I don't think it breaks the interaction at all. Uh, it maybe makes it easier, but really all it's doing is just giving you more avenues into the room, making the game more dynamic, giving you some more decisions. But also you can get those things punished as well, right? Especially for the Comanche one, because generally the way to get into the second level of that is you have uh, you have uh, uh, some sort of like Comanche catwalk network, and generally if you're on those things, it gets kind of weird um, because right. you know you don't necessarily know whether or not uh, you have you the orders to no. do stuff up there, or you, some somebody mm -hmm. might be left up there standing. Right, so here's here's a here's a picture of a setup that um, Adam and I played. Right, so there's there's two ways into the um, the second story, right, using these ramps. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I think it's fine. You just have to make the decision because if you put something up here, you're telegraphing you're going to make that run, and then I can counter deploy you with my reserve to make that difficult for you because having to go make this L-shaped run eats a lot of movement if you have to do it prone. Right. So, um, what do you think about blo blocking the door with your civilian? <laughs> like, fine. I feel like if, if, if I'm playing, um, like the problem is you don't know the, actually, I'm trying to remember. No, you do know the classified before you deploy your civilian. So if your opponent picks in telecom, then you can just troll them and force them to synchronize civilian to move your guy out of the way. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess... Is there someone 
You guys trying to get in here? Is there uh what's going on, guys? <laughs> See, that's it's really funny, and then they synchronize it and then just push it into the the one that's uh on your far end so you can't get a uh, or on your close end so you can't get reinforcements easy. Right, they did it twice. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you pick Intel come after deployment. So uh, yeah, it's... I don't know. It says, says before the beginning of the game, but after choosing classified, right? So isn't that you you choose the classified before deployment? No. Yeah. Yeah. So it is before deployment, I think. Yeah. So yeah, maybe I don't know if it's not something I would rely on. I mean, it's it's trolly. It's something that's kind of funny. Right. So before before uh, the yeah. beginning, it's. It's trolly, but if they don't take Intelcom, you're handing them secure HVT. If right. you're not already handing right. them exactly. their, their classified. So, it's funny. I don't think it would... It, it might stymie somebody who is already overwhelmed by the mission. Um, right. I think anyone else is going to be like, I see what you did there, jerk. Yep. That's about it. Um, I don't think it's it's big or small. It seems like something that a lot of people on the internet would have very strong opinions about. <laughs> yes, yes, but I, I I don't think it actually matters all that. But there's four ways into the thing, right? And you can just sink the civilian and move them out of there. No big deal. I mean, I think it's it's also when, yeah, the sinking is what really means that you know it's one of those things where they they just need to remember that that's a rule. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They'd probably be frustrated if they you know when they forget. And try and uh, you know going through one of the side doors, and then you know two weeks later they are thinking about the game and be like, "Oh, I could have just synced." <laughs> if only I blocked that side door. <laughs> so it's fine. I think it's I, fine. I, that's it. It feels like a big brain problem. You're going to spend a lot of effort doing, and it's going to have very little payoff. Yeah. Those so, are the best big you know, big brain moves, though, Adam. It's. It's why I have such a hard time playing with hollow projector because I it is absolutely like I'm overthinking my own placement of it. So then it's like, what if I deploy my Tian Gao as a Tian Gao? That'll really <laughs> fuck with me. And you won't know what it is. Right? With a different with a different weapon. Like, oh, like, yeah, you have no it's Swarza. Ha ha. You know? <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't work. Definitely overthinking it. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, as far as the hidden I, as a I, proxy mark four is fun, but that doesn't work anymore because the proxy mark two is no longer hidden deployment. I have I have got somebody with that one time ever. It was Sforza, and I deployed him as a um, oh, what was it? It was it might have been an authorized bounty hunter with shotgun. My opponent didn't catch that. I didn't roll booty, and <laughs> sure. and they like moved out in line of fire and they're like haha you've got a shotgun <laughs> and and i was you know shot him with a x-visor or x-visor viral rifle yep i was like one time ever and it relied on my opponent not noticing something very glaring that i didn't do yep although i will say i did get frank uh the other day i think i think this is actually a reasonable thing that that somebody might do i in my list i had three nyoka hrls um, uh -huh. which is not unreasonable to see in our Armada list because A, that's the cheapest Nyoka profile. You'd be like, oh, you're just your, your standard triple Nyoka HRL Star well, I mean, list. But like Starmada usually runs pretty low on SWIC anyway, so taking a good profile for the cheapest points cost seems quite reasonable, especially all I'm trying sure. to do is keep Hector alive in decapitation. 
and uh, I want to cover long range bands to keep stuff away, and they have chain cults for up close, so that seems quite reasonable. Um, yeah, so I was just a jerk, a big jerk with a big poopy butt, Frank. Thank you. Um, but Frank, <laughs> Frank, this actually went through Frank's head. Like, I moved in Yoka to cover a longish range band, and uh, Frank came around with a Greif operator and was like, okay, I'm within 16. I'm going to get the Nyoka in, in a zero range band, and this will be this will help even out the fact that you know John's guy is in a link, so this will this will be better. And then I was like, surprise! It's Tian Gao with a combi rifle. Um, so it wasn't right. it wasn't like a complete you know knocked for missile launcher in the butt kind of situation, uh, but it was yeah. it was definitely like yeah. okay, Frank made a, a calculated decision uh, to get a particular set of dice odds, and I I made that not true. Uh, so there the, you get that kind of benefit, but probably not the LOLOL, like the world has changed sort of stuff. And that's right. And I just double checked my old list. What I actually ran it with was Sforza as an Odalesque boarding shotgun. Oh, there you go. And that makes more sense to me now because I remember like, it's funny to have Sforza and drag. Like, just kidding. Yeah. So. <laughs> Big Z <Okay>. energy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've I've gotten some pretty reasonable uh, hollow projectors off, uh, but very very rarely. I spend way too much time thinking about it, and always at the end of the game, my point I was like, oh, I didn't even think about it. Yeah, right. Like the more like, it's, I I feel like, I think we talked about this a couple episodes ago. Like at, at my current level of engagement with the game, I'm usually just thinking about how to manage how much mental resources I have, and I'm not really thinking mm -hmm. about like. What gun do I need? It's just like how how much thought am I gonna have to spend on this uh, to get the the job done? And right. worrying about like like that up that game I played against you, Adam, where where you had uh, uh, you had uh, your custodian that wasn't there, you lieutenant, and you were like projected protected the living bejesus out of her, and you're like John's gonna go after this and get like it's such an obvious lieutenant, it's gonna get, he's gonna go after the. Um, He's, he's going he's gonna to go after her and like spend all these resources to get the lieutenant killed. Then LOL won't be the lieutenant. Ha ha ha. Right. And I was like, okay, well, I'm just not going to bother. <laughs> right. Right. Like, well, okay, fine. You protected your lieutenant. I guess I won't kill your lieutenant. Next. Yep. I mean, I've had some fun with the, uh, the coattail. I'll put it up on a building and, and pretend it's Lemieux. Mm. And, you know, people will either counter, you know, set up a bunch of things to counter Lemieux when he stands up. Or they'll, you know, not leave anything in that area, and then yep. you can have the, uh, you know, the coattail just kind of hop down and go mm -hmm. and hit a button or something. Do stuff, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's probably the thing to do. So we sort of started talking about hollow projector and hollow mask now, which is not the point of the show. Ah, uh, so right, maybe we'll tie it back hollow to hollow mask in a room. It's it's fun now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And none of them are terribly helpful in the armory outside of clearing mines. Yeah. And disguising how many points you have in there, because that will change your Actually, that's not true. Uh, uh, Tawu is amazing in the armory. Uh, uh. <laughs> that's true. That's true. There you go. There you go. You can you can fool somebody and be like triple nanopulse or LOL. That I do like Tawu. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I'll just shoot you. Okay, I'll triple triple template you. So there there you go. There's 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 your there's your uh, your money your money hollow hollow mask. For like the and I love Tower. Yeah. Well, great. Any other uh, general advice for people approaching armor or armory or panic room? I guess in general, the objective room missions. You know, they, they shouldn't be surprised. You're gonna have to get points in there. Make sure yep. your points are survivable. And make sure you have a plan 
to project your control of the room outside of the room. Yes. Whether that's through ARO positioning or through the hacking ability to have something, yeah. hacking or like a solid link team that can just secure the perimeter. Um, right. You need to you need to not actually just play in the room. You need to play in the room and a couple inches outside of it. I think that's kind of the the biggest. Uh, if you learn nothing, learn that for these missions. Yeah. Repeaters and jammers, if you got them. Oh yeah, yep. cool. And jammers maybe less so because if you jam and I'm in the room, cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're still really useful for you know people that are trying to do you know sneaky stuff around the room though. They're helpful yeah. for blunting they're the tank. And yeah, they, they blunt the attack that, you know, if you get jammed, you're, you might be in the room, but you're not killing everything else in the room as well. Yeah. Yeah. If you get your, if you get a jammer inside of the room and then like right by their door, then you can really slow down their ability to, to right. get into the room. Right. Um, but jamming people inside of the room is a little bit of a waste. Yes. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think it is. And again, that's the same concept. You're projecting your presence outside of the room. Right. I think the other thing that I would, I would talk about, uh, is developing stuff for later turns, which is very important. Um, so if you have a few extra orders, like it's it's a it's um something you have to learn with the experience is how and this is something I still struggle with, right? It's like how much do you invest? Uh, do you put a ton of stuff in the room? Like how much is enough defense? How much is enough secure? Uh, you know, security around the room. Can I spend these two orders like moving? like the next wave of stuff that I'm going to throw into the room at the end of my first turn. Right. So I've set up like some stuff, I've thrown a thing in suppression or maybe two things in suppression with a coordinated order. Now do I spend those two, like the last two orders that I have in my pool, like trying to shoot something, right. Taking, taking a long range downtown shot. Like, Oh, I got a sniper. I'll shoot that thing over there. Maybe I'll kill it. Right. But I'm shooting like a flash pulse spot, which is not really important. Uh, or do I spend those orders like moving, uh, something with a boarding shotgun closer and, and getting it ready for right, right. I, I think the latter is probably more relevant um, in games of, of uh, the objective room because both of them have uh, penalties to deployment skills so either you have to roll for it or you just flat out can't do it uh, so that's, that's those right, but starting four inches away from the door isn't terrible like don't don't sure. let the presence of the exclusion zone of the armory make you think you don't need to or want to infiltrate anything. Yes, but you do have to spend more orders. Period. Getting into the room. That's that's a fact. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's that's the big thing that you need to be concerned about is uh, is developing things later. And because it's such a it's such a order intensive uh, mission, both of them, right? You have to get things from your deployment zone into the room or from four inches outside your deployment zone into the room. Uh, sometimes you have to open the door. Sometimes you don't. Uh, then you have to kill stuff in there and then get in there safely while dodging or whatever. That's very order intensive, and you're only going to get like one or two things there, or maybe five things there if you're in a link. So you got to spend a bunch of stuff. Well, great. That and dodge. Yeah, high dodge, fizz yep. models with the extra interest of dodge, and you're good to go. So, John, before we take off, I think somebody uh, sent you some tactical questions. We're going to start a new segment after record Dean or Lauren. Uh, <laughs> Well, doing our, our tactical window segment. That's a yeah. good name for it. I so, just made that up right now. Wow. Where'd you pull that one from? Oh, oh okay. Seems good. <laughs> so this, this, this I'll, I'll, I'll read. I just, anyway, I just tagged this in the timestamps as mailbag, but I will call this tactical window after the show. Um, yeah, so 
Uh, we've got uh, uh, open the window. Yeah, so let's open the window. That, there's there's your uh, there's your soundbite. Um, oh, so Aaron, uh, who has been playing Melanie a bunch, um, wrote in with a with a with a mission. You can go read it. It's a library at Roman Academy. She wrote in with a mission where she was fighting uh, with her JSA versus uh, Melanie's Bakunin, and I think if I if I'm remembering correctly, over infiltrated an Oniwaban. Uh, sorry, Oni, uh, sorry, over infiltrated Saito, a ninja, Kitsune, um, and maybe something else, right? Um, oh God! <laughs> yeah, it was it was in it was in the armory, I think. Uh, and oh, geez. so they're all in that exclusion, they're all in the uh, little dead zone for the deployment. Yeah, zone. and then Saito ganks the lieutenant, or uh, like two big things got ganked by Kitsune and uh, and uh, uh, Saito. And then, like on the next turn, the ninja showed up, and it was a hacker. Uh, oh yeah, and a fa- there was a failed ninja infiltrated as well. And then a ninja shows up, and then spotlights a bunch of stuff. And there was a guy to missile bot in the back, and just blew everything else up. So the game was over at like turn two. Um, Jeez. And so the question was, uh, you know, how do you de- how do you deploy against something like that? How do you deploy against something with, like a lot of motorcycles, plus six infiltrators, airborne deployment, impersonators, right? So if if you know your opponent is an aggressive player, right, um, and you know there's a very strong alpha strike coming with a lot of positional advantage pieces like AD or impersonators or, or you know, Oniwaba and that sort of thing, how do you deploy yep. uh, against that? Like, how do you defend against Van Zant and uh, Margot or Raziat or just like anything, right? So if you know something's coming, how do, how do you deal with that? Yeesh. Well, so... I you know I, I kind of think about the most common, less extreme version of this is playing against Takaslam, playing against anybody with multiple impersonators. Yep. Um, yeah, clutch your pearls, put your head between your knees, breathe deeply. Um, no, it's it's going to have to be layered defense. You know those pieces are those pieces are expensive. They're going to kill something. Expect them to kill something. Yep. But give them weaker things that they have to kill, things that they have to move through. If you can deploy, you know, if you can, uh, in this mission, you know, where you don't get to move your infiltrators all the way up the board, you, if you still have some with mines, they can drop mines in positions where once their opponent activates, you know, Kitsune moves up, you drop a mine, right? She's going to dodge, you're going to start wasting their orders. As long as you're wasting their orders, you're reducing the effectiveness. But it's, it's rough when they get that many guys at the front of your table edge. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a few things, right? So part of it is um, Frank. Frank brings up an excellent point, which is that part of the problem is learning to deploy better, right? So that's one solution to the problem. The other thing is that you also want to have some deployment zone terrain, because oftentimes, especially because just the natural um, body mechanics, as we stand next to the table and put things on it, right? Because this was a physical in-person game. Right, so as you put yep. things on the table, you generally want to put things like not like right at your stomach. You want to put it somewhere in the middle of the table. So just by that, you generally concentrate things towards the middle of the table, and you really should pull things back towards your deployment zone because otherwise you have these bands where stuff can just come in and shoot everything. Um, right. So so I think the other thing that you want to do is, you know, bubble wrap everything. So that's a 40k term, right? So you want to put defensive rings of chaff troops with chain rifles, and you can't always do that. Because your faction may not have access to a lot of those things. Right, right. Um, other things, but the the key takeaway here is not chain rifles everywhere. That's a good solution, 
mines everywhere. That's a good solution. But you don't always have shotguns. the ability to do that. Shotguns, yep. Shotguns made that a lot easier to, yep. to put those out too. Yep, shotguns are good. But yeah, Yugi brings up a great point. But basically setting up, I'll get to that in a second, uh, setting up an interlocking web of defense. And that means that everybody sees at least one other person would be a good rule to try to yep. like, a, like a rule for yourself to try to adhere to on the table just so that if something happens to somebody it's not just like a like uh, like um don't be a, a guard in metal gear solid right <laughs> like don't just like walk right, off by right. yourself right that's the thing you should try to <laughs> not do um so have everybody watching somebody else have people turned around backwards facing the other way uh yugi's point of deploying in buildings making it harder for ninjas to reach you basically anytime they have to expend orders just moving to you is a good thing, right? So yeah. they will kill you, but if they have to spend two more orders like walking around this annoying pile of boxes, that's good. Um, so things like that. Think about uh, what you might do um, if you were deploying an impersonator or over-infiltrating a ninja. Right? What would you do? Where would it come from? Um, right, that's something I try to do a lot. Is yeah. like, where where is an impersonator going to put a shotgun right now? Yes. Uh, also, yeah, ignoring the impersonator is less painful than spending your turn digging them out. It's a great point, Vanderbane. Uh, you know, that's you. You can you can often just do something like put a mutt in front of it if you're playing Hagaslam, for example, or some sort of chain rifle or shotgun toting thing. Be like, I'm done. You don't you don't choose for yourself. That's fine. Example that um, was it Melanie? Was then yeah, Melanie's playing Bakun. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, that they had in this case, all of their opponents' models were hidden deployment. Yes. Which does make that a little bit trickier than yes. impersonation, mm -hmm. but when you when you are setting up against Hawk Islam and they have a reserve model still, you still have to assume it's an impersonator, right? So you'll do a lot of the same uh, the same thinking and same mental exercises because you have deployed previously, not knowing where the impersonator is going to go. But yeah, I think the, um, a lot of times when I find myself playing against those weapons, yeah, um, perimeter weapons are still obnoxious, but. It's really um, having chaff in front. You know, if you have your tag right in that front line, then like your tag's gonna get mulched. So, so, having, so maybe we can actually take a look less... at the deployment. Sorry? So we, we actually have data, so we can actually look at it. Oh, nice. Uh, so looking at this, so what died was Avicenna, the Riot Girl, and the Kusanagi. So looking at this, the Riot Girl and Avicenna are on a roof prone, which makes it really easy for stuff to get to them because they can't react in time, especially if it's a stealthy ninja. So oftentimes it's it's uh, dangerous to put stuff on a roof prone, especially with like walls on the roof because then nothing can help them, right? So this goes back to the earlier point of like have stuff watching other things. Um, it's hard to tell here exactly what's going on. I don't know if anybody's watching the Riot Girl in Avicenna, uh, but it doesn't look like it. It's hard to tell without like a lower view. Um, right, right. And the Kusanagi sort of like off by herself and easy to gank because there's not much stuff watching her either. Um, so yeah, I mean it's 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 hard. It's it's definitely difficult, and it can feel very uh, overwhelming and disappointing and frustrating if you're just like, ah, I can't do anything. I put a thing there and it's immediately dead. Like, why play this game? You know, um, I've definitely been in right. that position. You're just like, I don't know how to deal with these for day. Um, and I think basically the big takeaway is mentally and emotionally prepare yourself that the fidei or any kind of impersonate infiltrate thing is going to kill something, right? piloted by a competent opponent with normal statistics of the dice rolls, you are going to lose a thing. You have some say in what you lose and at what cost um, uh, it takes to alpha strike that thing. Right, right. Yeah. 
So yeah, episode 46 has some stuff. We could probably do another episode on deployment. I think that'd be helpful. Another thing that I suggested uh, was to do a, a deployment exercise where you both deploy, you both play through turn one, you stop, you discuss, you re-rack, redeploy, and play turn one again. That's roughly yeah, the same that's amount a fun of time. Exercise. Yeah, it's roughly the same amount of time as it is to play a full game, right? So you can do this on a game night when when everything reopens up. Um, and I know we said this like a million times before, but you know I'll say it again because it's important. Uh, I think that's a reasonable thing to try. Yeah, that was something I I vaguely remember doing when when we first started. Um, I might have only done it once or twice, but it's it is you know it's like practicing test openings. Mm-hmm. Right, it's the exact same thing. You don't need to practice the end game; you're practicing the opening, right? Um, that is something that that can really improve your game because if you, I mean, man, like turn one is my is my favorite turn of Infinity. Really? Uh, well, I do like the Hail Mary attempts to win on turn three, but that's usually because I fucked up turn one and two. Sure. Right. Um, but that turn one is where I can, I have the opportunity to dictate the flow of the game. Mm. If I can get my opponent on their back foot turn one, then I have a, the very least a psychological advantage throughout the rest of the game. If not an actual position, positional advantage. Um, it probably just comes from being like an absolute troll when it comes to lots of games that I play, but like, I like making my opponent make mistakes. I like them not being comfortable playing the game. And if I can do that, then then it makes my game a lot easier. It's a lot less stressful because you're gonna you're gonna fuck something up. I'm gonna get the opening and I'm gonna take advantage of it. So similar practicing that turn one where you can practice against these really strong offenses is gonna prepare you for how to defend against them. Right? It's it's just practice. Um and yeah, man, like passing that many over infiltration rolls with JSA. Brutal. That is a, it's a statistical anomaly, and that sucks. Yeah, yeah, it's. I I've once ever passed every single uh, grunt infiltration roll, and I felt really bad that game as the you know as the Ariana player. I'm like, well, so there's like five of these flamethrowers for you to deal with. I uh, I don't know what you're gonna do, buddy. <laughs> like yeah, right. that's like 55 points of my army. Okay, I wanna I wanna show one more thing. So we've talked a lot about how to deal with. Um, uh, stuff that starts on your side of the table effectively, right? Uh, so all these things apply to infiltrators, airborne deployments, or impersonators. Uh, one thing we haven't talked about is fast stuff coming in from the other side of the table, right? Yeah. Um, so I want to show something that Eric Worth does very well. And so uh, if you want to see more of this and see it in action, you can go check out the tabletop throwdown games uh, with Eric, a.k.a. Zelopinipus. I won't spell it for you, sorry. It's very long. I don't know how to spell it. I'm um, he can say it. Huh? It's Zelopinipus. So I'm just impressed he can say it. <laughs> just don't make him say it twice in a row. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, but what he, he does... He appears. What he does is he he doesn't give AROs until you hit the center line, is generally his plan. So, for example, let's take a look at this this map here. So there's a bunch of stuff along the center line that blocks line of fire. So this building that Joan is on uh, blocks line. Oops, that blocks line of fire here, right? And then we've got this uh, other thing that this oxbot is on this blocks line of fire. This clipper is behind this building with Joan. It can see down this area here, right? So this other building, uh, which has a door underneath this designated target thing, 
Um, and so there's a shot here that's hopefully just outside of 24. And there's a shot from this clipper to the other side of the table like that. So where the, right in front of the war core. So he's not giving me any shots uh, with my the, that Grenzer sniper that I have in the tower. The Grenzer sniper is a perfect tool to kill that clipper because I can outrange it, right? I have a higher BS than it. Uh, and I and I uh, will generally, I, I think I had a link in this one, so I would just shoot it with a link and it would be great. Um, so this means I can't use my long range tools like an HMG or a link sniper or whatever to take on that thing. And by the time I get whatever it is I would uh, get to the midfield to engage it, either it's something that's fast and has a shorter ranged gun, because usually that's what we think about, right? When we play games, we're like, okay, I'm going to put the long range things in the back with the sniper rifles or whatever missile launchers, and they're going to chill there and sort of lock down the table and annoy you. Uh, the things that I'm going to push off the boards are my Spitfires and my HMGs. So that long diagonal may be outside of 32 and probably will be mm -hmm. outside of 24 for that uh, for that Spitfire for sure, right? So um, that's a great way to to make use of long-range band AROs like missile launchers while also uh, denying me the ability to shoot at you with a long-range gun. Right? So there's a thing, he's done that with like everything right, he's exactly. got here, right? So... There's a Fugazi here, which this hedge is actually pretty tall, so you can't shoot at it straight on. You have to like shoot at angles. So all kinds of things like that, right? So just think about uh, how to leverage your range bands and deny the opponent theirs. And a lot of that is just setting up in the corners of your deployment zone, shooting to the opposite midpoint of the table edge, or putting things in alleyways or shorter uh, lanes of fire that are like 16 inches for combi rifles. Because then, again, you're starting to punish things like HMGs and stuff that, you know, you don't want to get too close because the range bands start to suck. Yeah. Yeah, and it's also covering. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's covering the decoy on the right because because uh, Eric is good at this game. What a jerk! <laughs> All right. Well, I think that covers it. Well, you've wasted another perfectly good evening listening to late night war games. John, why don't you talk us out? Uh, so if you want to uh, submit questions to Tactical Window, send them to mailbag at latenightwargames.com. Um, you can find us here every Tuesday at 8.30 p.m. Uh, Pacific doing the show. Uh, we upload everything to YouTube afterwards as well as all the various podcast apps. You can find us. Uh, all the episodes are on latenightwargames.com. You can go there too. Uh, that's the thing we do now. Um, let's see what else. Uh, you can find Obi on Twitch on Mondays at 8.30, I believe, right? Uh, and that's yeah. your um, the joy of green stuff, where he shows us how to sculpt amazing things. He's very talented and very experienced, and is very generous with his time and sharing all of his knowledge. Uh, you can find Clint and Tim on Sundays, uh, sometimes on Saturdays, depending on guest availability. And they do tabletop throwdown, which is a commentated game of, by Clint and Tim, uh, with two titans of the community uh, who will will play and uh, and they'll talk about it and, and throw shade and trash talk and all the good stuff, but also give you some good tactical insight. Um, if you like what we do, you can find us, uh, on Patreon and become a late night war gamer and support us. That'll give you access to our discord. And you can also, uh, join in on next, next week's episode, which is our one year party. Uh, just a reminder again, that this month's, uh, Roman Academy is over infiltration, right? So if, if you want a repeat of that JSA versus Bakunin game, you can try it yourself and let us know how it went. Um, Nobody wants to that. <laughs> <laughs> JSA players want more of that. I'll just I'll say that's that. true. That's uh, true. Let's see. Um, and it's then of something. course, uh, painting for this quarter is heavy infantry. So all that information is on bromadacademy.com. Um, yeah, our next episode is our COVID anniversary one year party. 
we're giving away some fabulous prizes, right? So just a reminder of what those are. Um, you can get a Spiral Core pack. You can get these exclusive uh, RPG miniatures. You can also get this Grasshopper dropship thing and also this wonderful FLG game mat. So those are all things you can get. Uh, so come hang out with us. It's going to be sort of an AMA style thing where we just sort of chat. So bring any tactical window questions or things like that you might have. Uh, or if you want to just ask Kobe questions about green stuff, and he'll switch into Bob Ross mode and tell us everything. Um, yeah. A bit right. of a year in review. Year in review. Yep, exactly. Obi, outside of uh, your awesome show on Mondays, do you have anything else you'd like to plug? Uh, just my, uh, you know, you can go and check out my YouTube channel as well. It's uh, Nehemiah Hobby, and I just upload all my videos there. So if there's uh, ever a time you want to take a look at any, uh, you know, way too long videos of somebody green stuffing something, they're all there. <laughs> like if you could somehow. I've been doing this for about a year now, too. Or. Wow, I've been right? doing this. I think I did what started uh, one week before you guys did. Holy cow! Well, so happy anniversary, Ovi. This would this would be yeah. your week then. Yeah, Yay, so. Ovi. Yay. I did not pay attention at all. <laughs> it's like it's probably coming around. <laughs> it's probably fine. It's probably fine. <laughs> like your actual birthday, nobody knows when you really started. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and in that I time, like you've put together some. Right, you've done some amazing models. So, Thanks. well done. Maybe for year two, you can combine it with the uh, John knows the name of it. The the channels where you get to watch Korean people eat food oh, with mukbang. asthma. Yeah, if you can do like mukbang with your green stuff converting, you might open up your demographic. That'd be weird. So what you're saying is that I should eat while I'm sculpting. Yes. Yeah, pretty much. If you, the slurpier, the better. Yeah. All right. Or the crunchier, <laughs> the better. Right. Just eat 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 ice cubes. Right. Oh my god, I want like a like a shotgun mic to pick up all the sound effects of like <clears throat> squishing around the green stuff. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well so good. All thank right. you all so yes, for sure. joining us tonight. Uh we appreciate you hanging out. We love talking to you guys. Um yeah. Yeah, be sure to catch us on Facebook, YouTube, and you rate your podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to give us five star rating on iTunes, like one other cool person has. You could also be a cool person by doing that. I don't know why I want five star ratings on there. I think it's only my ego. I don't actually. Uh, it, don't it, get paid. it boosts us in the search. Oh, there we go. It'll make other people find this. So it's, it's SEO. That's, that's, that's what it is. Yeah, it, it's it's SEO. You can put other people through the same agony that we put you through every week. Be sure to follow us on Twitch and YouTube um, and on Twitter, I guess. I have it. I update it occasionally. But all this stuff will help us bring you the best content that we possibly can. Or at least we we are willing to. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Have a good night. Thanks, everybody. And see you next week for fabulous prizes. Prizes, prizes. Bye, everybody. Bye. Good night. Take care. Bye. Stay safe. Won't you play games with me? And I like to do everyone. That's what I like to do. That's what I like to do. That's what I really like to do. That's what I really like to do.